so our passage, our passage today is Proverbs 30, verse 1. Well, verse 1 through 6, but verse 1. Our one verse wonder is found at the end of this verse. Let me read it to you. It says, the words of Agor, uh, the son of Jacob, his utterance, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Uchol. Now we know that David's son Solomon wrote the Proverbs. In his writing, he often referred to himself using other names or descriptions. Scholars will point out that Agor, which means to gather or to receive, is a name that Solomon is using for himself. Now, the other names scholars are split on. Jacob means obedience. Ithiel means God has arrived, and Ukal means to devour. And so some scholars say that, you know what, all four of these names are being used for Solomon. Um, other scholars indicate that the names Ithiel and Ukal refer to two of his students or disciples that he would have taken on as a you know, professor and as a teacher. Now I tend to take that second position, that Solomon, who here is calling himself Agur, declared the following statements to his two students, Ithiel and Ukal. We should always try to place ourselves into God's Word, into the Bible. And when we do this, uh, uh, it helps us you know, have personal application of those passages. And we can do it in different ways. One of the more famous examples, of course, is to take 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, the love chapter, and put your name in place of the word love in order to see how we're living up to that lifestyle that God wants for us. Gene is patient. Gene is kind. Gene does not envy. Gene does not boast. We get about... There And then I'm like, well, I'm all done. So, <laughs> But reading about Bible characters gives us another simple way that we can evaluate our lives personally um, by placing ourselves in the verses to see how we measure up to whatever person of the text. Whether it's a villain or a hero, you can kind of say, okay, well, do I look like this person at all? So especially in a passage like this one where there's very little background and there's almost no context, and there's not too much uh, specific information. It's really easy to take this verse and insert ourselves and apply it directly to our lives so that we can prepare our hearts to hear the message from God, from his word, not just read words on the page. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's something I need constant reminder of. I'm not just reading words on a page. I'm hearing from the Lord who's desiring to speak to me today. And if I did that, it would go the words of Solomon this man Solomon declared to Gino, to Gino and you guys. So that's, you know, how we should read this this morning. And so what did he declare to us? Verse 2. He said, Surely I'm more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. This is a strange and interesting statement from Solomon, who the Bible tells us is the wisest man to ever live. Uh, even by human standards, no one in history has come close to his accomplishments or his credentials or his brilliance. He's Solomon. He's, he's the pinnacle of what a human being can achieve and the pinnacle of human understanding and brilliance and all of that sort of thing. And so how can he who, wrote, who built the temple and wrote you know, uh, a thousand songs and all of this other stuff, how can he um, say that he has no knowledge of the Holy One speaking of God? We find the answer by remembering what God said to Job in chapters 38 through 40 of his book. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Job 38, 3 and 4 says, Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Uh, where were you uh, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. If The idea is not that Job or Solomon don't at that moment know anything about the Lord. They obviously do know things about God, about Yahweh. 
The point is that they are not the source of that knowledge. It wasn't from it wasn't original to themselves. God must reveal himself to us and then reveal wisdom to us. We cannot create wisdom ourselves. We only hear from God and then we share that wisdom with other people. Now many teachers in what we, you know, what we and they call the emergent church movement, they take a different approach, approach to this idea. They would agree with Solomon's statement that we don't have any knowledge of God and that we can't ever really know him. That's one of the, you know, core ideas of many of the emergent church teachers. Well, we can't know God because how could we understand an infinite being and so, you know, nothing that we know is really true. What's true for you is true for you and not for me and all that kind of Jive. That's not what God uh, was saying uh, to Job, and it isn't what Solomon is saying to us in this passage. Instead, the point isn't that we can't know God. The point is that we, as human beings, are devoid of understanding. But God, by His grace, comes and reveals Himself to us. He reveals wisdom and truth to us. He gives us life and he gives us breath and he gives us the ability to think and to reason and to understand the things that he's been speaking to us. He is the author of knowledge and of wisdom and of understanding. This is exactly what Solomon says next in verse 4. He says, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name if you know? And so obviously Solomon here knows something about God. He knows that God is a creator. He knows that he is a personal God who has a name. And he knows that this God has a son who also has a name. But he only knows that, and this is the point, through revelation. That knowledge that has been shared with us by God through his word. He says it in verse 5. He says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And so why are we laboring over this idea about God revealing wisdom, not us having wisdom innately? It's because God has given us the whole counsel of his word for every aspect of our lives. That is his revelation, his word, his wisdom. And those things are pure and they are a shield for us for willing to trust in the Lord and apply his will to the whole of our life. To take that revelation and say, okay, I know nothing in myself. I own, you, know, you know, when speaking of spiritual things, I know nothing. And so, as a spiritual being, I'm going to wait for the revelation of God, and when he reveals himself to me by his word, then I'm going to apply those things to my life. Let's look at it this way, talking about God's revelation. We have no problem believing that God exists, and that he has a son named Jesus, and that Jesus died on a cross for our sins, and that three days later he rose again, and he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's all been revealed to us, and we get it. We lock into that. That's fine. I don't think any of us question that in this room. But so often I know that I fail to apply the other aspects of God's revelation to my decisions or my attitudes or my opinions or my activities. Yes, this revelation over here, yeah, Jesus Christ, I know the cross rising again, blah blah blah. That that's yeah, you know, that's powerful. That's life changing. That's necessary to believe. But so often in my heart I I take the other parts of God's revelation, the other parts of God's word, and I find myself kind of thinking, well, that might work. You know, what the Lord has to say about that area of my life might be true, you know, uh, but it doesn't really matter if I do those things to the T. Those are sort of guidelines that God has given me. This revelation over here, that's absolutely necessary. There's no room to budge on that, but this revelation over here, eh, that might work. 
It might not. God might have some wisdom for my marriage. He might have some wisdom for my parenting or my finances or my job or my hobbies. But really, most of what I read about those things doesn't apply to me for the following reasons. That's what I tend to do in my natural state and in, in, in my you know, human heart. And it's human nature. I think, um, you know, I think most of us are probably prone to that sort of gravitation to say, okay, well, there are certain areas of revelation that I'm into. There are certain areas of revelation that I don't know if they're really all that important. I know I'm prone to that. And so in response to that tendency, we have to receive uh, some parts of God's revelation and we, we end up receiving some parts and ignoring others. Now, uh, Solomon said this in regard to that tendency that we have. Now, remember, we've put ourselves in the place of Ukal, his student, in his lecture to us. And uh, Solomon says this in verse 6. He says, Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. And so here in these verses, we get a very comprehensive lesson on how we are to view the scriptures and the word of God. Here's how, here's how we look at God's revelation. First, we understand that God's word is the source of our understanding and our wisdom, wisdom being the application of the knowledge. Second, we understand that within ourselves is nothing that supersedes God's revelation or his principles. Third, we recognize God's word as pure and inerrant, a shield and protection for our lives, and a tool that we use in order to accomplish God's will. Fourth, we remove any addition or subtraction that we or others might try to put in the Bible, which would pervert the wisdom of God that he has revealed to us. So that's how, from Solomon's lecture, that's how we're to view the word of God and to view God's revelation in our lives. So where does our man Ukal fit in? He's our one verse wonder. Remember that at the beginning we pointed out his name means to devour. And so as students of the Lord, we would then apply his name and as disciples and, 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 and point out that we are to feed upon God's word. Not only that, but we are to devour God's word. What does the Bible say about God's word in relationship to food? The Bible a lot of times talks about God's word being food. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Paul compared the Bible and biblical teaching to milk and to meat. The psalmist said that the word of God is sweeter than honey. There's a lot of these allegories and illustrations um, you know, comparing the Bible to spiritual food, and we know that. And so if we want to measure up to the example of our man Ukal in this verse, then we should be men who devour God's word. Can you, in, you know, in your own mind, really, can you remember seeing someone really devour their food any time recently? Um, this past weekend, as a lot of you know, Alex Nava and I were in Salt Lake City. At one point, we, uh, were, we were just doing stuff and we had some downtime and, and uh, you know, uh, we came across a couple of homeless guys. And so we brought them over to a local hamburger place that was close to the gas station that we were at and Alex bought them lunch. We shared the gospel with them, and one of those guys, his name is Nate, he accepted the Lord, and, and, and we were able to pray for him and give him a Bible and things like that. Now, when the food came, uh, man, they devoured that food. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. They were, they were very hungry. Nate hadn't eaten in, in quite a while. He, he couldn't really tell us the last time he had a full meal. Um, and, and it was just, you know, as you sat there watching it, it was interesting to me because, you know, that's not just, that's just not something that I see every day where you, you're looking at a person and you see, man, this guy, he, when the food got there, man, he devoured it like, you know, like his life depended on it. And it was, you know, it was really remarkable to me because my daily experience with food and eating food is actually very different. I'm a picky eater and it's a drag, okay? I just want to I just want to be upfront with that. It is a, Yeah, it is a drag. 
I don't want to be a picky eater. I really don't, but I am. It's a bummer for me. It's a bummer for anyone who's hosting me for a meal. It's a bummer, I'm sure, for my poor parents who were trying to make sure I was being nourished properly as I grew up. I don't, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. I do my best, but, you know, I find myself not wanting to eat a lot of things. No one likes a picky eater. Even the picky eaters don't like themselves for being picky eaters. But if we're careful, uh, that's how we feed on the Word of God. Not devouring it like our homeless buddy who, who's like, hey, I need this meal because I don't know when I'm going to get the next one. But we end up eating like I eat vegetables. Yeah, don't really know if I want to eat any of that. So if we're not careful, that's how we approach the Word of God. We take certain parts as absolute and essential revelation that we can't live without. But other parts, we kind of look at the Bible and we say, well, maybe. Maybe that's true. Maybe that matters. Maybe that works. Maybe I need to apply that. I've got my own idea about relationships. I've got my own idea about compassion. I've got my own idea about serving the Lord. I've got my own idea about all these things over here. And my wisdom or God's wisdom, it's all the same, you know. So this stuff for salvation, oh yeah, that's absolutely necessary. But all this other stuff, no, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out in my life. And so Solomon here very simply and very passionately explains to us that every word of God is pure and that we have nothing wise within ourselves. The world has nothing wise spiritually within it. The only wisdom and shield that we have is found in God's word which he has graciously revealed to us so that we can know the one who created the world and so that we can have an abundant life in his will. A.W. Tozer spoke on this topic of God. He spoke on everything, but he spoke on this topic of God revealing his wisdom. And he said this about our topic. He said, An intelligent, plain man, untaught in the truths of Christianity, could come upon John 1, verse 1, and he would likely conclude that John meant to teach that is the nature of God to speak, to communicate his thoughts to others, and he would be right. God is forever seeking to speak himself out to his creation. The whole Bible supports this idea. God is speaking. Not God spoke, but God is speaking. He is, by his nature, continuously articulate. He fills the world with his speaking voice. Love, Tozer. So today, as we go out of this place, let's make the scriptures of prime importance in our hearts. Let's grab our Bibles when we get a chance and read a verse or two and devour them and really, really lay into them so that those words can be nourishing and powerful to our lives. Let's remember that our God is offering us wisdom so that we can live spirit-led lives instead of flesh-led lives. And so let's remember that God is speaking and we want to listen. Amen? Again, for you know anybody who came in a little bit later, um, we had to do things a little bit differently this morning. I'm taking my dad to... Uh